What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Yelp Christian Podcast. Today, we are covering the question of what is the evidence of God, you know? Uh, how, how do we know that he exists? How do we know that God is, or like the God is our God? Ooh, I like the zoom, by the way. Sorry. Um, and so we're going to basically show all this extra biblical evidence or these non-biblical evidences. Um, and so we're just going to dive into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I, everybody wants to know the question, is God real? How do we know it? So that's just what we're going to talk about. Um, and so in order to, and this is for, of course, this is a Christian podcast. So in order to first, I guess if you're having a, a conversation with somebody about God um, who say they don't believe in it, so say they're an atheist, the first thing you have to do is get them to acknowledge that there is a creator, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about first is proof that there is a God, not necessarily that it's the biblical God, but proof that there is a God. Um, and so with that being said, uh, Cody, do you want to talk to us a little bit about SURGE, the acronym? Uh, yeah, let me get back to it. So SURGE. So the first part of SURGE, the S. So the second law of thermatics. So energy cannot be created. Thermodynamics. I knew that. I knew that. (laughs) Uh, So energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Science says energy created the Big Bang. We believe energy to be God. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And then the U of SURGE would be that the universe is expanding. You know, that's a very common uh, scientific principle. It's very, uh, you know, nobody denies that. But in order for something to expand... It has to first have a place of origin. And so, of course, science says the Big Bang. Um, But here's the flaw with modern science. If the universe is infinite, it can't expand. Mm -hmm. It has to have a starting point. And so, of course, science says Big Bang, but where did the Big Bang come from? So continue, Codis. So the R, radiation afterglow. Residual heat or of creation, the afterglow of the Big Bang streaming through space proves the universe was not is not eternal. So, yeah, that just goes to add that the universe is expanding, and so it goes mm-hmm. back to there has to be an origin. Um, and so uh, there's something called the Great Galaxy Seeds, and all of this, feel free to Google it if you don't know what it is, but the, uh, the Great Galaxy Seeds, um, they are bundles of matter that are not too small to dissipate, um, and they're not too large to have the new universe collapse on itself. And so these Great Galaxy Seeds are proof of some sort of intelligent design um, because it's necessary to maintain the balance of these seeds. And without, without it, the universe would collapse on itself. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, okay, it's gaps theory. Okay, hang on. We'll talk about that in a minute. But go ahead, Codis. What's, uh, what's the E in surge? So the E for Einstein's theory of general relativity. So all objects in motion have to have a still place in reference, an origin. If it is in motion, it has an origin. Whatever created space and time has to be spaceless, timeless, and immortal. Space immaterial. In, immaterial. Space and time cannot create itself. Absolutely. So Einstein's theory of general relativity states that everything, that if it is in motion, has an origin. So it goes back to the universe. If it is in motion, which science confirms that it is in motion, the universe is is expanding, there was an origin. Um, And so it goes back to the Big Bang. Okay. So science says that two atoms came together. They, when they hit because of this energy that brought them together, it created Big Bang. You know, like you said before, Codis, we believe that this God to be energy, you know, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So um, that's just not necessarily that he's the definition of energy by any means. But um, we just believe that the Big Bang came from something. And so not, you know, energy. So it is. But uh, so the fine tuning of the universe, if we were slightly closer to the sun, you think about it in terms of probability. If we were slightly closer to the sun, we'd die. And if we were slightly further, we'd freeze to death. That's, you know, not negotiable. Um, but Earth, yeah. Earth spins at a rotation of 24 hours, right? So that's why we have 24 hours in a day. If it spun faster, if it spun slower, 
we would all fly off into space. And if it was any different, uh, Earth's axial tilt is currently 23 and a half degrees. If it was slightly off, ever so slightly, we would either burn or freeze to death. The Earth is fine-tuned for our existence perfectly. And now science says that that's, you know, chaos or chance. Um, I say that it's that's created God. by it's God. I mean, anyways, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, so, yeah. So next thing, we've talked about it in an episode before, Fibonacci sequence. Um, so the golden ratio is also what it's called. But uh, old scholars, when they first discovered the Fibonacci sequence, they called it the divine ratio. Why? Because it's God's fingerprint. Um, and so that's an, another nickname for it. Um, but we see this in the fetus. We see it in the galaxy. We see it in a rose. We see it in the, uh, a fist. We see it in a sunflower. We see it in fingerprints. We see it in all these things. So mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. You're saying, how is this proof? How is this, this spiral proof? Well, it shows order and design, a.k.a. a fingerprint of God. Now, I also know what you're thinking. There's a, there's a, a law of causality, okay? So with this law of causality, everything has a cause for its existence. This is a scientific principle. This is a legitimate law, law of causality. Um, Everything, like I said a second ago, everything has a cause for its existence. The Big Bang happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I think when when science says Big Bang, I think that's God saying, let there be light. But Mm -hmm. so anyways, if this law of causality is true, then you and I were created for a reason. This earth was created for a reason. But keep going. All right, so our DNA. So it contains a complex language system. It has grammar, punctuation, logistics, spell checks, alphabet, uh, algorithms, etc. Most complex languages known to man, and it happened randomly. Yeah, and, and what's funny about this is they're actually um, some scientists are actually hiring linguistics or language professors to come in and try to study DNA because it's so really? yeah because it actually like resembles language. It's really neat. Um, so. But what's just this is just an interesting fun fact. So God's name is Yahweh. It's spelled out yes. Y uh, Y H W H. Okay. Interesting about God's name of Yahweh in DNA. Okay. There's four nucleotide base pairs. There's adenine, guanine, thymine, cytosine. Um, so there's a there's this thing called a, a sulfuric bridge that holds DNA strands together. It occurs every ten nucleic acids that have been placed. Then every five. Then every six. Then every five. So there's this uh, repeating numerical value of 10565. Five. So I know what you're thinking, right? But hang on. So there's this repeating numerical value of 10565. Five. The biblical name for God, like I said, is Yahweh or YHWH. And so this contains the same numerical values in the ancient Hebrew. So the Y is the 10th. So for example, let's just make more sense of it. A in our alphabet, let's just say there's one, right? The number one, yeah. B, two, C, three, four, D, right? So yeah. same in this ancient Hebrew, the Y is actually 10. The H is five. The, uh, the W is six. And the, again, the H is five. So Yahweh is repeated throughout DNA. Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Interesting. Um, yeah. So just another thing. Uh, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. So keep going for me. Now the complexity of cells. So Charles Darwin claimed cells to be a jelly jellyous body that builds off of itself but our cells are so much more complex than that each factory within the cell was created for a purpose absolutely and like you think about it you look at a cell like we learn oh, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell no but like yeah. for real you you look i didn't at, bat on that unit i'll be honest right <laughs> so um, confusing but you look at all these things you look at a cell and mm-hmm. like the cell has its own system yeah. you know like the smallest thing like 
uh, I think it was Charles Darwin, he called them a gelatinous, like you just said a second ago, they were mm-hmm. a, gel- a gelatinous body. So Charles Darwin, the, the basically not the founder or the creator necessarily, but the person that first uh, pitched the idea of evolution, he said that cells were this gelatinous body. Mm-hmm. But no, as science has progressed, of course, science has disproven that. And we've seen that uh, a cell is much more finite and much more uh, meticulous and much more complex than this gelatinous body that just grows off of itself. Um, anyways, but with all that being said, like if you have a rational mind, like if you are seriously unbiased and you have a rational mind, you cannot look at the things of this world and think that there's not some sort of creator. You look at a car. Exactly. And you know that it's obviously man-made. Like, you see the engine. You see the hood. You see the windows. You see all this stuff on a car, and you know that it is man-made. Yeah. Okay, now, now, likewise, I'm going to look at a tree. I didn't make that tree. Man has not ever made that tree. But I look at that tree. I see the bark. I see the, uh, the chloroplast, obviously not without a microscope. But I see the leaves. <laughs> I see all these things. I see the bugs that are crawling up. I see the entire ecosystem, how it functions off of each other, and how without one uh, – you look at, like, animals. You look at prey, and you look at predators. Like, without a certain predator – the prey will then, you know, just flourish and just destroy an ecosystem. So that's why God allowed predators to eat the prey so that it's not going to destroy the ecosystem. It's not going to eat all the plants. And so, like, it's just crazy how this world works in such a way that and, – and people think it's – you know, if, if it was all created by chance, it would be chaos. It wouldn't, make, it yeah. wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be order. So anyways, um, so once somebody agrees that there could be the possibility of a creator because – like I said, there's plenty of evidence to support the possibility of a creator. Like nobody, I feel like, is truly an atheist. Like nobody truly believes that there is nothing out there whatsoever. We truly are just mm-hmm. came from nothing. And if you do, I'm just going to say you're illogical. Um, but with that being said, if, once we agree that there is a creator, within Christians can present that our God is the God through Bible prophecies and through Jesus. So. We'll talk about uh, Bible prophecies first, but then we'll get into the interesting stuff with Jesus. So um, right. take it away. So the fall of Tyre. So in 597 BC, Ezekiel receives a prophecy from the Lord. So that's in Ezekiel 26. It says, many nations will come against Tyre, their towns, and walls will be demolished. Their soil removed from their ground. King Nebuchadnezzar will attack. Walls will be breached and invaded, and they will cast stones, timber, and wealth into the sea. In 573 BC, Nebuchadnezzar attacked. 250 years later, it was attacked by Alexander the Great. The broke, uh, they broke the walls and trampled through the city. When doing so, they, they, they inhabited escaped to be, nearly, to, be near, to, be, to a nearby island so that they couldn't re- be reached. But Alexander the Great gathered all the soil, timber, and rocks so that he could literally throw them into the sea and made a bridge into the islands with them or with it. Yeah, so basically what happened is Ezekiel, two to three hundred years prior to this, predicted mm-hmm. that the, the, the fall of Tyre. And so the we see a t- lot of prophecies like that where they predict the future and the Bible, oh, yeah. especially nowadays. Yeah, it's all over. Um, and so, but like, so Ezekiel predicted this two to three hundred years before it happened. Of course, the fall of Tyre mm-hmm. happened in two different segments, as he says. Um, but like, so Ezekiel said that, they would break into break through the walls, right? They'd gather all the timber, the stones, and the mm-hmm. soil, and then they'd throw them into the sea. But then Alexander the Great comes along, which I want to talk about Alexander the Great in a second. But Alexander the Great comes along. He ga- grabs all this stuff, throws it into the sea, just as Ezekiel predicted, but he threw it in the sea so that he could travel. Like, he, he made a bridge to the island that all the inhabitants of, this, of, mm-hmm. of the city of Tyre escaped to. And so, like, that's just insane that Ezekiel would predict that. And, of course, it was God-given. Um, but speaking of Alexander the Great, 
funny how we only have like eight different texts talking about Alexander the Great, but like everybody knows of Alexander the Great. Yeah. But yet, but yet we have thousands of New Testament artifacts and, and uh, sources that talk about Jesus, like biblical and not biblical, you know? And so yeah. it's just like, why do we not say that Jesus is real when, when Alexander there was, when Jesus had thousands more uh, sources written down? But anyways, it's fine. So the next prophecy I want to talk about is the reign of Cyrus or the fall of Babylon. Um, and so in Isaiah 21, verse 90, he said, in, uh, it was in 720 BC, that's when it was written, um, that horsemen have come, the Babylon has fallen, all graven images of Babylon's gods will fall to the ground. And that's Isaiah 45, verse 1. And then Cyrus comes, and this is still the prediction, Cyrus conquers, which was 150 years before he was born. So Isaiah predicted that Cyrus is going to, like the, by name, was going to conquer Babylon before, this is 150 years before Cyrus even born. And then, of course, it was conquered in 539 BC by a man named Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Insane. So, um, now let's talk about Jesus for a second. Okay. So, Jesus, we just have to show that Jesus died and that he's seen afterwards because Jesus, like, you, it's, oh, your face is nice and bright. Um, yeah. So, trying to fix it. Jesus is what. It's the crux of the Christian faith. You know, if you could disprove Jesus, you could prove that he did, did not resurrect. Your face is, there you go. So if you could prove that Jesus did not resurrect, then that would destroy the entire Christian faith. That's what it hinges on. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about his resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. So um, in order to talk about Jesus, in order to prove that he was the Messiah, that he was God, that he was the God of the Bible, and that God is who he says he is, and that the Bible is true, we need to first prove that Jesus is real. And so we do that um, by showing that Jesus died with, with sources and that he was seen afterwards, again, with sources. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep going for me, Kodis. All right, so a no bias, historical record here. So we have sources that date back to it that have been written within months. That source says 500 people saw Jesus at the same time. That's not decades, decades or centuries. That's months. It's in the Bible. That, yeah, so the Bible would be the source there. And mm-hmm. I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, that's a biased source. Well, sure, let's, let's yeah. go with that. So, so let's just say the Bible doesn't count for now. So there, right. are, there are at least nine ancient sources. Mm-hmm. Um, one is going to be Tacticus, which is, 54, which is written in 54 AD. Uh, Josephus in 93 AD. Pliny the Younger in 100 AD. Uh, I'm going to botch this, but Suetonius in 120 <laughs> AD. Lucian of Samosata in 155 AD. And Celsus of 175 AD. Mm-hmm. All of which talk about jesus they weren't christian like i said there's one two three four five six six or seven Mm -hmm. um just right there that i listed um that talk about jesus that were not christian so yeah um and then but and then saul he wasn't even christian so that's true he wasn't biased he killed christians for their beliefs and then he encountered the truth and then he died for the the faith you know people Mm -hmm. willingly don't die for stuff they don't believe in yeah yeah, no, people willingly die for what they do believe in. Yeah. Yeah, and so and you talk about the disciples. That like, if, if it was a lie, right, if the whole yeah. resurrection was a lie, they would not die for something they knew was a lie. That's just not what people do. You only die for what you believe in. So anyways, um, so, keep going. All right, so how to ensure it is reliable, which is the Bible. So textual criticism. Compare and contrast the copies that have been recovered. More copies we have, better we can have cross-references. The earlier, the better. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look at Homer's Iliad, which is essentially the Greek Bible. Right. And so we've all heard of Homer's mm-hmm. Iliad. We have to read it in school and all that fun stuff. 
Um, but the Greek Bible, uh, Homer's Iliad, it was written, um, or sorry, it has 1,565 copies in its existence. Okay. So 1565. It was originally composed 800 years before Christ, um, and then some composed 1,100 years after the origin. Okay. So the, the Homer's Iliad spanned over 1,100 years. Okay. The New Testament, archaeologists have recovered over 5,000. 843 Greek New Testament manuscripts by the late 1900s. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. So Homer's Iliad, the Greek Bible, which we know to be true, which we know is, you know, what people believe to be the Greek gods and stuff. There is 1,565 copies of that. So there's pretty much four times as many copies of the Greek yeah. New Testament that have been found as of the late 1900s. Four times as many as Homer's Iliad, which, by the way, apart from the Bible, is the most of any uh, historical document of, of copies that they found, right? So anyways, I keep going. So, um, then, so the earliest fragment of the gospel, okay, earliest fragment of the gospel of John dates the second century AD. So it's a little piece of paper, okay, mm-hmm. um, which was less than 30 years to the original. So that's 30 years of a gap that they have to compare that fragment to the original, whereas the Iliad had 1,100, okay? So um, now there's, there's, just for comparison, okay, we've all heard of Sophocles, Plato, Aristotle, okay? Mm-hmm. So apart- Some of the great, th- what are they called? Theolo- philosophers. Philosophers, there you yeah, go. Yeah. That's a tough word, philosophers. Um, so apart from the Bible and apart from the Iliad, okay, remember, the Bible had 5,843 Greek New Testament manuscripts discovered by the late 1900s. Then the Greek Bible, or Homer's Iliad, which was 1,565 copies, the third highest document of, of things that have been found, right, is Sophocles. And there's only 100 copies of that that have been found. Okay, only 100. Okay, now we all know of Plato. Plato is definitely real, definitely alive. And that we only know of seven copies of Plato's. Okay. And then even less or even fewer of Aristotle. And there were five copies of Aristotle. And yet there is 5,843 Greek New Testament artifacts of the. Hello? Anyways, so all of these are real the Sophocles, the Plato, yes. Aristotle, they're all real. Okay. They're all valid copies. And so when it comes to the Bible, the, the Bible has proven itself to be the most reliable because of the, the dates that it was written and when everything was going. Mm-hmm. So anyways, keep going for me. So people say that the tomb was empty because the body never went to the tomb. You know, the dogs ate it. Or some say that the body was stacked into a hole, etc. There's a lot of theories. But the earliest rec- recorded Roman accounts say Jesus was put in the tomb and that the Romans did not allow some to be buried. Yeah, that's very true. And so I know a lot of people think, okay, well, well you know, when somebody was crucified, they definitely weren't ever allowed in a tomb. But no, like you just said, like yeah. sometimes they were allowed to be to be buried. Um, and so some of the let's talk about the early eyewitness accounts. OK, so the Bible says that the first people to find that the tomb was empty was women. OK, well, why is that interesting? Well, because back then women were not a credible source um, to like to trade things along. So like um, what, what am I thinking of? So if somebody wanted to relay news, it had to be a man. And so that's just how it was back then. And yeah. so anyways. Um, so these eyewitness accounts were women. It was Mary Magdalene and, you know, each different book says something along those lines. But, um, so it wouldn't have made sense though. Listen to this. It would not have made sense for the disciples to say women wrote it 
because it would have been discredited because like I said, the women weren't valued. So their opinion or what they saw didn't count. And so it wouldn't have made sense for the stop to say the women wrote it because it would have been discredited if they're trying to lie. But no, if they were trying to lie, they would have said men found the body. Okay. Let's think logically. So if they were trying to lie about the the resurrection, they would have said the men found the body. So they wrote, this is the logical conclusion here. They wrote what actually happened. Women found the body. Okay. So, uh, but each gospel, gospel, each gospel <laughs> says something different about who found the body. And so a lot of people say, oh, this is contradictions. Okay. So, but here's the thing. Look at it this way. Police never expect witnesses to say the exact same story, right? Like imagine something happens. They, they try to, they talk to four different witnesses. They don't expect for the witnesses to say the exact same thing, but rather if they do say the exact same thing, it's pretty suspect. And so likewise to this, they all have their own story. They all see things their own different way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so that's why, I mean, the, the core principle is still the same. The story is still the same. Jesus died, was put in the tomb, the tomb was empty, and then people saw Jesus walk the earth. That's what the story says. And that's, it's credible because, of course, like I said, with witnesses and how police interview witnesses. But anyways, um, I say all that because just because there are slight variations to the story, it doesn't negate the core principles that happened. So Jesus died, the tomb was empty, and people saw him walking amongst the city. Yeah. Keep going for me. All right. So, because the 500 people have hallucinated, that's like thinking that people all have the same dream at the same time. There's no way. So, did Jesus survive the crucifixion? Uh, so, the swoon theory here. So, Jesus never died. Uh, he passed out. The Quran, is it the Quran? Is that how you say the Quran? Quran? Yeah. yeah. The Quran says that, the Quran says this. It is written 600 years after Jesus' death. Not a reliable source. So Jesus was flogged before the crucifixion. They were scorched and, pl- and pummeled savagely. The lashes contained of stone and bone fragments. It would have ripped apart his muscles and crushed his bones. Uh, this alone would have been tough to survive because of the blood loss, which is why Jesus collapsed carrying the cross. That makes sense. I mean, have you ever seen a flog, Codus? Uh, I have on uh, the, the movie about Jesus being crucified. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, um, Passion of Christ? Yeah, the Passion yeah. of Christ. It's... So- terrible so, yeah. like it looks awful because yeah. it hooks and then it just rips yeah and that's it's, what it's designed it's, to do it's bad like i feel like he literally had like one of the worst deaths you could imagine yeah yeah and, and, and anyways so, but yeah it's, it's crazy mm. um so now so we talked about how jesus was of course tortured before he went to the cross right so now yes. the question going off the swoon theory <clears throat> now the question remains well could jesus survive the cross okay well sure the, the nails weren't the worst part, though. Like you said, he was flogged no. beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. But here's what – this is why the crucif- being like crucified was awful, okay? Because it was a slow, agonizing death caused by asphyxiation that would have killed him. So the stress on his chest muscles would have locked his lungs. This is Jesus on the cross at this point. Um, yes. He's already been nailed to the cross, okay? Mm-hmm. So the stress of his chest muscles would have locked his lungs in an inhale position. So in order to let the breath out, he would have had to push up on his whole driven feet and scrape his shredded back against the wooden cross and then sag back down. And then he, again, he would have to do this over and over again until he became exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I descriptively said this, but that's tough. His back is scraped. It's already been flogged. He's pushing it up against wood. Imagine splinters everywhere, right? Yeah. So I imagine. And, and your back is probably fully exposed, too. Yeah, like, absolutely. 
And like it's you're trying to shame them at this point. And so, mm-hmm. but his hands were nailed in. So he's he's got you know wrist, whatever you want to call it, and then his feet too. Like he's having to push Don't up. Don't forget on, the on crown his... either. That's pushing into his head. Yeah, and I'm sure probably... as, as yeah, yeah. He's pushing it in as he's lifting up exactly. And um, also, I mean, there's spears going into his side too. Well, that's what I, yeah, and th- that's what we get into in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so maybe 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 okay maybe they thought that he wasn't dead okay. Maybe he was able to, to live past this crucifixion, okay? These Romans were experienced killers, right? That, that's their job was to make sure these yeah. people were crucified correctly and that they died. You know, if they didn't die, if they didn't kill their subjects, then they themselves would have died. They would have been killed. Yeah. So when the soldiers stabbed Jesus with their spear in his side, what does the Bible say came out? Blood and water. Now, why would the Bible, written over 2,000 years ago, say blood and water? That makes no sense, right? Why would blood come out when you stab a man? Maybe because, well, modern, modern medicine knows why. And it's because it's pericardial effusion as a result of asphyxiation. I can't even say it. Pericardial effusion as a result of asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. That's why. Literally what happens when you're, uh, I forget the de- definition of pericardial effusion. I should know. I was an EMT for a couple of years. But anyways, it's fine. Basically, there's fluid that gathers around the heart, right? Because you're, you're suffocating. And so the lungs yeah. kind of press against and fluid gathers. And anyways, when the, the spear stabs the chest, it's going to go in, pierce that, uh, the pericardial layer outside of the heart, and it's going to leak fluid. Okay, of course, there's going to be blood there, and there's also going to be water. And so that's what modern medicine says. And if you don't believe me, it actually the Journal of, uh, of American Medical Association talks about this. It says there's no way the Journal of American Medical Association, I kid you not, go look it up, says that there's no way that Jesus survived. So... No, he didn't. Uh, swoon theory is, is garbage. Um, but anyways, so this whole crucifixion thing, it's not something that somebody could fake by any means. But. All right. So to fill in the gaps with faith, a.k.a. gap theory, C.S. Lewis once said, if Christianity is false, it, is zero, it has zero importance. If it is true, there is nothing more important than the entire universe. Yeah. So now, now that so now go that, ahead. All right. So now that we know the how, but we don't know the why, and we don't know the why. Yes. I want to say one more thing on gap theory, and because I know there's a lot of people like, oh, okay, especially like Fibonacci or like all these things. We're like, we're saying, okay, well, there's there's a creator based off of this, right? Yes. Here's my thing. You get mad that we say if you're an atheist or somebody who doesn't believe in God, you get mad that we say that there is a cause to the unexplainable. There is a reason that something has happened, but yet you don't have the reason. You don't know why, but yet you get mad that we try to tell you why. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that you're perfectly content with not knowing why. You need to, are you not, are you, are you not like worried? Do you not want to know? Do you not want to find out the truth? Do you not want to find out all these things? Like, do, do you not want to know, you know? And so when you're saying the God of the gaps theory, oh, Oh, you're just saying that there's a creator to try to explain this. What else do we have? What else are you going to say? You know, like what else could do these things? What else could be the fingerprint of God? What else could be the Fibonacci sequence across all these different things? I talked about it before. I'm not going to repeat myself. But like, why? What else? It makes no logical sense to say, oh, you know what? We don't care. We don't need to know. When, when we're talking about God, when we're talking about the creator of everything, when we're talking about why we're here on earth, it makes no logical sense to just be like, Psh. Oh, wait, never mind. It does. It does make logical sense. If you don't want to reap what you sow, if you don't want God to exist, then it makes perfect sense. I don't want to find out that there's a God because then I'll be held accountable for my actions. Mm-hmm. 
That's why you're saying the God doesn't exist. That's why you're mad of the God of the gaps theory, right? That's why you try to throw it at every Christian because you don't want God to exist. It doesn't matter if you want him to exist. He does. And you're going to be held accountable for your actions regardless. But anyways, that's my rant. You'll find out soon enough. But anyways, I just hope it's before the last trumpet blows. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I say all that. And obviously, I'm passionate about this, right? Obviously. Um, Why? We know the how, like you said. Why? Why would God, or rather, why would Jesus allow all of this to happen? If he is God, he could have stopped it. If he is God, he could have wiped every person out like that was out to get him out. He could have killed them all. Yep. So why does God allow evil? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And it's really simple. Yes, it is. Love. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I and everybody else that chooses to believe and repent could live eternally in heaven. And I know what some people are thinking, you know, I don't want to live in God in heaven if he is this, this evil, uh, misogynistic uh, being. Why would you not want to live with a God that created you for the sole purpose? Like, why would you not want to give your, your life to a God that created you, that gave you the opportunity at life? Oh, well, Jared, this life is, is awful. You're negative. This life is amazing. It's not perfect by any means, but there's a reason that we have good and evil. So we can recognize that there is good. And now I know what you're saying. Well, Jared, what is that good? I say it's God. You probably don't say that yet because you haven't experienced his love. You cannot know God until you experience his love. And you can't experience his love until you devote yourself, or rather you allow yourself the opportunity to get to know him. How do you get to know God through Jesus? How do you get to know Jesus? Well, you got to first recognize that he was a person. That's a good first step. Then once you recognize that he's a person, let's look at the history. Let's look at the miracles he did. Let's look at the, the, the resurrection. Let's try to disprove him. Let's try. Prove it. Prove to me that God's not real. You can't. Science says, science says, science says, that we all started with a big bang, that we came from nothing, that we came from chaos, that we started as bacteria, that we rose and we became apes and stuff. You're telling me the science says that I share 99% of my DNA with a banana? For real? Okay. I want to read a quote from uh, Albert Einstein real quick. The more I study science, the more I believe in God. I just want to leave that quote right there. The more I study science, the more I believe in God. Albert Einstein, one of the said to be the smartest person who ever lived, and he said that. And, and if I mean, if you look inside, I mean, that's a whole other episode, but it's it's right there. It is right there. So a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, refuse to acknowledge that there is a God, and I understand why. And I understand that a lot of people, you know, they say, okay, well, you only found God because of the way you're raised. Or, you know, some people say that you, be- you belong to the faith that you're, you're, you know, your parents are a part of. Um, obviously, that's not the case for everybody. Um, I understand that logic. I understand that people do learn from their parents. I get that. But there comes a point where you have to think for yourself. You can't think. Granted, by all means, it's good things that teachers teach us. You know, it's good to learn. It's good to educate yourself. But here's the thing with modern education. 
it teaches us how to regurgitate information. It does not teach us how to properly critically think. And I say that because what does every test these days or what form of testing does every test resort to? Multiple memory. choice. Yeah. Kind of. Short-term memory for sure. Mm. And so if every test is multiple choice, it teaches you to learn the question and to learn the answer. It does not teach you to learn critical thinking. So I say all that to say this. My job is done if you simply have a seed planted within you. And obviously I'm not speaking physically. I did not throw a seed at you and now it's in your mouth. It goes in your stomach and it grows. No. What I'm talking about is a mental truth seed. If I, just, if I talk about God or if I talk about the Bible and it just makes you think, my You've job done is your done. job. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to circle back to why all of this. Why, why did Jesus do all this? And now I've made videos before about, you know, why God allows evil. Feel free to go watch those, okay? They're on TikTok. Um, and it's also on our, on our Spotify, Google, Apple, on our podcast. But it really goes back to love. How can a loving God allow all this evil stuff on earth? Because love is not only goo-goos and cuddles. Love is discipline. Love is allowing us the choice to choose him. Love never fails. It always perseveres. But, so some of you might be watching this. Some of you might be listening to this. Some of you might be doing whatever with this information that we're talking about. And maybe you're thinking a little bit of it, and rather than trying to disprove everything, which, by the way, I want you to. I want you to Google this. I want you to try to disprove me. I want you to prove to me that God is not real. I want to know, as I imagine you do too. Prove to me that he's not real. You can't. Okay, well, Jared, you can't prove that God is real. No, but I can give you some dang good evidence that supports it. We just made up, what is it, a 45-minute video talking about nothing but evidence or prophecies or, or biblical artifacts, which I didn't even get to talk about artifacts. No, like, I didn't we even barely talk, even reached the surface. I didn't even talk about all these things that the Bible says happened, and then now we see the, the evidence of these things that happened, which, for example, like rocks, like we can see cracked rocks. Anyways, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Lots of stuff. I didn't even talk about any of that. So, so some of you might be listening to this. Some of you might be saying, okay, where do I start? Or maybe some of you are saying, I just need a little bit longer to think. That's perfectly okay. That's perfectly okay to critically think. I want you to. If you have any questions, feel free to message us. Feel free to comment. Do whatever you'd like. Um, we're here for you to help you out as best we can. Um, some of you might be saying that there's no evidence. Go back and watch this whole thing. It's going to be posted on YouTube. It's going to be on our podcast. Okay, there is tons of evidence to show that God exists. But to finally wrap it up, some of you might be listening and you're like, you know what? You maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not going to say you are, but maybe. And if that's you. It's this is really simple and this is going to be a prayer. Um, You don't have to be special. You don't have to be perfect to pray. It's very simple. What you do is I'll take my hat off. You don't have to. If you're driving, you keep your eyes open by all means. But I'll even take mine off here. It's as simple as this. You say, God, I'm lost. 
And it can be in your own words. It doesn't have to be exactly like this by any means. But you just have to acknowledge how imperfect we are. You say, God, I am lost. God, I am in need of a Savior. I don't even know if Jesus is real, God, but I, I know that I need a Savior. Please, God, show me. Show me what you need to show me. To prove to me, God, show me something that I need to see. And once, once you've found enough evidence, and this isn't the prayer, by the way, but once you've found enough evidence, and once, once God has shown you, or once the Holy Spirit has shown you the way, this is what you say. This is your prayer, as simple as this. God, save me. I, am, I need a Savior, God. You sent your Son to die on the cross. I believe that, God. Save me. And like I said, and you can end that with an amen, but like I said, you don't need to be this great theologian. You don't need to be this person that <laughs> knows everything about the Bible. You don't need to be any of that. All that you need is to have an open and willing heart. You need to be able to acknowledge that we're not perfect. We need to acknowledge that we're, we're, you know, we're full of sin. You know, and this goes back to just the last little debate, I guess you could say, is the moral argument, right? So I get my good morals from my parents, so modern humans would say. And so you trace that back all the way to the beginning. Where did they get their morals? Christians say it's from God. Some people might say it's because we want to help each other out the most. Well, if that's the case, then if, if we don't get our morals from anything, then what separates us from animals? And if you look at the animal kingdom, it's, it's eat or be eaten. Look at fish. Sure, some animals can, can gather together to help each other out for the greater good, but there's going to be different sects of these. That's S-E-C-T-S, by the way, sects of these animals. And it's all... It's all chaos. But anyways, if, uh, if you said that prayer, you, you said, God, you know, maybe he's maybe this Jared guy's right. Maybe Jesus didn't um, or maybe rather, maybe Jesus did die on the cross and maybe he did resurrect. Maybe Jesus is God in the flesh. And if you hear this and you, you're thinking this for the first time, feel free, like I said, to comment to the messages, to do anything. Find us on Instagram. Our Instagram's in our bio. Do anything. But just like Coda said when he was coding C.S. Lewis, he said that if I, something along these lines, if I am wrong, who cares? But if I am right, it means the world. So, with all that being said, um, I don't want you to, to, to leave here not knowing what to do. So like I said, pray, give God a chance. A lot of you probably will never give God a chance. You know what? That's your own prerogative. But I'll tell you what, since I found God, my life has been so much more peaceful. We can't hear you. Oh, Jared, I know what you're thinking. Oh, or, uh, sorry. Jared, but God is not a God of peace. He killed millions for you. And okay, well, that might sound a little psychotic, but here's the thing. You're thinking of all the babies that were drowned with Noah's flood, right? Okay, well, let's look at it. If you look at Genesis 6, there was a, a certain kind of people. Oh, no, this is. Oh, well. 
podcast is shut off. It's fine. Um, oh, it's still going for me. You're saying that God is not a good God, not a good loving God. If he allows. Oh, uh, Jared, you cut out. We can't hear you. Uh, I don't know if it's going for him. Um, we can't hear you. We can't. Okay. Um, so apparently, guys, it has shut down for him. Uh, we cannot hear him. Um, so I guess I will be ending the live here. So with that being said, guys, um, thank you for listening. Uh, sorry about him cutting out, but that was pretty much the end of the episode. We pretty much had it all covered by then. So thank you, guys. Uh, I really hope this reach, uh, reaches the right people because this was a powerful message. I don't know about you guys, but this is hard to follow up on because that was such an amazing uh, uh, sermon that Jared had for us. So if you guys have any questions, please feel free to message us or, or anything. Just you know our social media, so just go there and DM us, and we will gladly answer to the uh, to all of you guys. So that being said, I hope you all have a great time, and I love you guys. Godspeed.